welcome to a special bonus episode of Cinemaholics. And it's a bonus because we're talking about a movie a little bit earlier because there are so many releases hitting theaters this summer. We can't get them. We cannot get to them at all. So we are visiting a little place called Asteroid City. I'm John Agroni and he's Will Ashton. Hey, Will. I was going to do a good solid howdy, but I realized as I was getting ready to say that, that I don't think any characters say like Cowdy or not even the character named Montana says howdy. right exactly so I, it didn't seem appropriate but nevertheless howdy John we're back talking about another Wes Anderson movie uh, the last Wes Anderson movie was the French Dispatch which we both enjoyed quite a bit uh, yeah it was in my top 10 for 2021 I really liked it as well as in I think my top 15 great movie and you know we we had a whole conversation last time about our our thoughts on wes anderson's filmography you can go review visit that episode if you're curious but i mean the, the short version is that we both like wes anderson as a whole you and i have different favorites among his filmography but there aren't a lot that you either of us like like actually dislike right yeah i mean the only one i haven't seen is bottle rocket the only yeah, one i mentioned heard, that last time yeah right i still haven't seen it <laughs> Same uh, here. Update. um but uh the only one i remember feeling and i'm sure i said this last time the only one i remember having mixed feelings on was life aquatic which i think i'm just due for a rewatch on i think i was just too young to understand that sort of like midlife crisis dramedy at that time but i don't know i feel like i would have been if i watched it now i would have been probably more receptive to kind of the shagginess of it the kind of general kind of uh malaise of it but uh yeah i don't know at the time i was a little kind of uh, disappointed but other than that i've liked or loved pretty much all of his films and i don't just like his films i like talking about his films because wes anderson is that kind of director who just everybody, he's a style unto himself. Everybody has their own take on him. And uh, I always appreciate a director who is very specific in the kinds of movies that they want to make, the things they want to say, their own style that is distinctly them, because it, it's just nice. It's his branding in a way, but also the people who don't click with that, they can just choose not to watch his movies and they're none the wiser, aren't they? When we talked about French Dispatch, remember one thing we, we said was that it, it probably wasn't a great entry point movie for people who had never seen a Wes Anderson movie. And, you know, everybody has a different opinion on what that entry point probably should be. I, I've said that my favorite is Moonrise Kingdom. I think your fa- one of your favorites among his is uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. It's one of them, yeah. Um, and, you know, and it's, it is hard to pick a favorite. I know a lot of people love Fantastic Mr. Fox. With Asteroid City, this is his latest. Uh, this is a movie that it's his first movie that he's coming out with that uh, isn't delayed or, or dealing with big production issues. Because French Dispatch, we watched that in 2021, late 2021, but that was supposed to come out early uh, 2020, I believe. And uh, this new movie, I mean, it is like, who is not an Asteroid City? I wanted to go uh, to this place because it's like so many celebrities I get to see every which way. I mean, you say that, but like two of uh, Wes Anderson's most notable cast members are not even in this. Bill Murray and Owen Wilson. Uh, do they have room? That's the thing. <laughs> we have uh, we have a few actors here who I, I believe it's their first time in a Wes Anderson film, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that includes Tom Hanks and um, Steve Carell. Uh, I believe Rupert Friend was his first time in one. Um, maybe I'm forgetting. I, I don't want to say this and be incorrect, but um, Matt Dillon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I forget if Matt Dillon has been one or not, but Maya Hawk, this is her first uh, Wes Anderson joint. Yeah. Uh, Margot uh, Robbie. Margot Robbie, yeah. 
Uh, it might be easier to say who who's back. I mean, Scarlett Johansson is back. Jason Schwartzman, of course. Uh, Adrian Brody, Lee Schreiber. Uh, we have uh, we have a uh, uh, Rupert Friend. I don't think has been in one before. Remind me again which one Scarlett Johansson was in. Uh, Isle of Dogs. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, we have Jeffrey Wright, of course, uh, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, uh, so Edward Norton. It, it's it's a nice mixing. It's a it's a swimming pool uh, in this little this little asteroid city. Now yeah. you've been looking forward to this movie a lot, right? Because you and I, I'm there's even more actors, by the way, but I'm just kind of holding back a little bit. Um, but uh, you you've been looking forward to this one uh, quite a bit. This movie this has been one of your most uh, anticipated. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it was uh, in my top three for the most anticipated for the summer, uh, just because, I mean, who cannot get excited about a Wes Anderson movie? I say that plenty of people <laughs> I was going to say, knowing that he is a fairly divisive figure. I mean, not divisive, I think, in the sense that he's controversial or anything. I just think yeah, as a person, I don't think. Yeah, right. But I think, yeah, some people jive with his style. Some people don't. But I think, you know, I, I've heard people say like they prefer his earlier work, but don't really like the newer stuff or vice versa. Um, to me, like I, as much as I love the earlier films, I think Royal Tenenbaum remains my favorite of his, as well as uh, Rushmore being a close second. Um, but I think with these new ones, especially with this one, uh, it, it's interesting that you note that uh, French Dispatch is kind of a uh, not really a bearer of entry for Wes Anderson. I feel like this one's even more potentially alienating, no pun intended, uh, as far as uh, its style, not because it's like harder to grasp or anything, but rather I feel like this one is sort of more like metatextual. It's like exa- examining Wes Anderson in a way that I feel like you kind of have to know about him more and appreciate him more to kind of get the full experience of it. And that's not to say that like a first time viewer wouldn't get something out of this film, but I feel like what I am really responding to with this film is thinking about where it stands in his filmography and where he is as an artist right now. But uh, going off of that, I think the thing that's I mean, really, I'll, if I can say real quick, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of disagree with you. Better I, I, I actually do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear about that more. Uh, but I was going to say, I mean, the thing I think we can agree on is that stylistically uh, like the density of his images at this point, like the way that he, I mean, people kind of comment often on like the picture book style and like there's been sort of this uh, trend of late with like people trying to do like AI Wes Anderson, like AI Wes Anderson does The Matrix or AI Wes Anderson does Succession or something. But I feel like what people don't really get is that like, yeah, he has these sort of like compact frames and like, you know, these kind of high, high stylistic sets and all this stuff. But it's like the frames themselves are so jam-packed with like images and things going on he's just so particular about the framing and the way the camera moves and i think with this movie in particular he feels even more confident even more kind of uh, assured in what he's doing uh and and lending that to this uh kind of like i said metatextual story i think is really astounding stuff and well you're doing it again you're reviewing the movie before i've had a chance to tell people what the movie's about <laughs> you know me john that's why i do <laughs> that's what the listeners want if i'm being honest i i like that my i mean not to be a little bit mad textual about myself but i like that my audio reviewing style is like i review the film too early and then like when i write a review as you know as my editor i expect, i take too long to actually talk about it. i kind of like do like something yeah, usually start off with right. a little bit of an appetizer you right. know just like well who loves these dogs right, <laughs> right. yeah um, in 1995, so I, I went to summer camp, <laughs> <laughs> and then it, you end up talking about the movie uh, yeah. the Royal Tenenbaums. Right. 
Um, yeah, so uh, needless to say, we're, we're fans of Anderson's work. And uh, this new film, uh, he directed, written, and co-produced. Uh, Robin Coppola also worked on the story. Uh, of course, the son of Francis Ford Coppola. And uh, aside from this huge cast and this you know, kind of retro futuristic, uh, place. Uh, this is also, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a, uh, COVID movie sort of, um, they made it, uh, yeah. while there were still COVID, uh, precautions in place and the story kind of mirrors, uh, some of like uh, lockdown and quarantine oh, sure. and that factors in quite a bit. I mean, uh, th- this movie basically says the bubble, you can go the hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So what we're alluding to is that uh, in this movie, uh, it takes place in 1955. Uh, there is a junior stargazer convention, which, you know, very Wes Anderson kind of uh, event. <laughs> um, you, I, w- I was sold uh, immediately on that as the premise, but you have a bunch of people uh, gathering around the country for this competition. Uh, it takes place in this uh, sort of fictional uh, desert town where an asteroid hit a long, long time ago. And so it's a bit of like a tourist attraction. And it's it's good because we get to sort of be introduced to Asteroid City alongside the other characters. We end up there pretty early on and we see what the town is made up of. It's kind of like uh, Radiator Springs, if you like the Cars movies. (laughs) And uh, there's your frame of reference almost. There's, Uh, But that movie, funny enough, has Owen Wilson. This one doesn't. That's right. You beat me to it. Uh, There's also another kind of gimmick going on with this movie, a a little bit less uh, appreciated, I think, by the folks who saw this at Cannes, um, because it it has gotten uh, reviews already. And, you know, we'll we'll get to the Rotten Tomatoes game, but there's this meta-ness to it that it's a radio play within a TV broadcast. Uh, So there's a lot of fourth wall breaking. I don't even know if you can call it fourth wall. Maybe it's fifth wall breaking. uh, I don't think it's just a radio play. I think it is a play. It's a play, but it's based on a radio play, right? That's it, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a little confusing. Um, But, you know, I mentioned earlier that I think that this movie is a better entry point than uh, French Dispatch. And I actually think that it's a good, it's a decent entry point for a lot of his filmography. I don't think think it's the best Wes Anderson movie to start with. But I think if you are going to start with one and you want to start with a new one, this is the one. Because unlike some of the recent movies, including Isle of Dogs and... Grand Budapest Hotel, to an extent, we really are following three or four like central characters. Uh, this is not as meandering a movie as some of his previous work, and it does meander. Do not get me wrong. Um, this is a very oddly structured movie, uh, and it even tells you exactly how it's going to be structured ahead of time. Uh, there's a lot of like, here's what's going to happen at the end of the movie, and here is you know here are the next few scenes you're going to watch. But at the the heart of it, and and one of the reasons I kind of connected with this movie more than I I thought I might, is we're really following Jason Schwartzman's character and his family, him and uh, Jake Ryan, uh, Tom Hanks as well, and his daughters, because there's a story about grief going on here where they arrive in Asteroid City, and Jason Schwartzman is a war photographer. He is kind of struggling to admit to his kids that their mother died. And uh, his son, uh, played by Jake Ryan, who you might remember from eighth grade, he's one of the competitors in this like uh, competition for the junior stargazers to win these awards. And he is a little bit of an outcast and a loner, and he tries to sort of like strike up a friendship with the other uh, junior stargazers there. And then you also have Jason Schwartzman kind of building up a, a budding, you know, perhaps romance with uh, Scarlett Johansson, who plays a uh, very classic 1950s actress so i'll I'll say at the outset i I like this movie quite a bit for that reason 
And I, I think that I really connected with, I, I think Jason Schwartzman in general, if you put him in a Wes Anderson movie, I'm much more likely to really, really connect with that Wes Anderson movie, because I just think that he's one of the best uh, weapons in Anderson's arsenal. And that's that's proven here to almost to the detriment of some of the other characters, because I, there are other people here who are kind of overshadowed to some extent. Uh, not all of them, but, uh, you know, for example, Lee Schreiber. I still don't know exactly why he said yes to this because um, he's a bit underutilized. Uh, Hong Chao oh, gets a blink and you miss it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Liv Schreiber is so funny in this movie. He is funny. He has like two scenes of note uh, I, I, that stuck out to me. But there are other characters who stand out more, I think, like Maya Hawk. And Rupert Freund, uh, one of my favorite subplots in this. Lots of subplots here. But uh, no, what do you think of this movie, Will? Uh, do, you, do you find this to be uh, a tricky entry point? Yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, as I was saying before, I, I, I would find this one maybe a little bit harder to sell to maybe someone who isn't already sold on Wes Anderson in a way that, like, if I were to introduce some to one of his films, I'd pick probably like Rushmore, Grand Budapest, or Moonrise Kingdom. And it's funny I bring up Moonrise Kingdom because I feel like going into this, I was kind of expecting this to be sort of in that vein of Moonrise. Not that it's not, but it like sort of the idea here, of course, being that uh, because they're all sort of quarantined into this small town due to this extraterrestrial activity, it becomes sort of like a summer camp, not only for the children, but for the adults. And there's this sort well, of that, and also the the actual like the romance very much right. reminds me of Moonrise Kingdom. Yes, exactly. But the, to me, I think the one uh, Wes Anderson movie this reminded me of the most, which I wasn't expecting, but intrigued me, was Darjeeling Limited. I don't know if you felt that same way, but the idea of like kind of being both trapped and open in the space and dealing with grief and loss and kind of in uh, these characters in this sort of midpoint, and they're trying to figure out like how they can mature and evolve and go through their grief in a productive and uh, meaningful way, especially with their family. I think the stuff that you're talking about, like with um, uh, Jason Schwartzman and Tom Hanks really reminded me of that in a good way. I, I really do think Darjeeling Limited is one of his more underrated films. So I, I say that definitely as a compliment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think to me, I, I feel like Wes Anderson is using this film uh to really kind of go through some stuff personally. Like it seems like a lot of their stuff in this movie, especially in the third act seems to be not only kind of commenting on like common notes or criticisms of his films, like, you know, in a kind of funny or direct way, but also like him just kind of evaluating, like who am I as an artist right now? Like, what do I want to do? Why am I saying the things I want to say uh, in a way that I find really kind of compelling and interesting. And I don't know if it always fuses as well together with this kind of dual narrative that's going on but i think it is the type of wes anderson film that will grow on me more with time and i think even a rewatch would make me appreciate him more so i'm definitely a fan I'm, I'm not quite sure uh in terms of like the ranking of his films where this stands for me but i, I definitely am really taken in by it as i expect it to be i always struggle to rank his films at all so i usually don't even bother you know, for me, I love stepping into a Wes Anderson movie because I know that when I do, I'm just going to be transported. I think that Anderson is a true artist in the sense that he, you mentioned it earlier, he focuses not just on framing for the sake of it and putting things into a shot, not just because he thinks it'll look cool, it's because I think he genuinely wants other people to be in his head. He wants other people to be in his art. Yeah. I think that's what makes him a true artist. And it's always so inspiring to see 
even in, in his movies where I'm not as taken with the story or the characters, which you know, has happened a few times, I think that I'm always impressed by this guy's life. The fact that he just has these great opportunities to really just make stuff that you genuinely get a sense that he loves to make. Right. And he's like a, a true artisan in that sense. And I understand that it can be frustrating for some folks because his movies are a different vibe. They are a sort of uh, they, they sort of all go for this, you know, characters who are very disconnected from the real world. It's anti-realism. They all sort of talk in this very like monotone specific way. And it's fun for, I think, some people to be like, well, I'm going to parody a Wes Anderson thing. And uh, I, I, I love Wes Anderson parodies. Uh, and, and I think you can enjoy those plenty without sort of taking the piss out of him as a director and writer, because uh, I don't think anybody can quite do it like he does. Right. And I think that what impresses me about this movie, Asteroid City, is that He's still finding new things to do. I, I don't think that you can just take this movie and you know put it through an AI blender. You, you really see that like he is the kind of person who focuses not just so much on the the way shots are developed and delivered, but also his dialogue. You know, you you tease it already, but this is definitely a funny movie, a, much funnier than French Dispatch was, I think, for me. And French Dispatch, I thought, had some pretty good laughs. Uh, but this movie, I was chuckling very consistently, and I, I think that. First of all, Jake Ryan is a big reason for that. I think that he's just such a talented young actor. And I think that the, the his entire, like him as Jason Schwartzman's son is just like incredible casting. Now, I, I said this already too. I don't think every character gets fully utilized. There were some uh, returning Wes Anderson actors who didn't win me over as readily. I, I kind of was a little let down by the, the Jeffrey Wright uh, character in this uh, maybe i'm in the minority on that i, I didn't find him as fun oh i thought he was, um there, there's there's a speech scene he does which i think is one of the funniest scenes in this whole movie i didn't find it as funny maybe maybe what was great about it went over my head who knows um but tom hanks he, he gets some good moments in this adrian brody kind of adrian brody and edward norton aren't in this a ton but every time they show up uh they both sort of play they each play respectively a, a playwright and director and there was something about, I think, getting to what you're saying, when the movie almost becomes like a primal scream, <laughs> Anderson is like kind of shouting at the audience, just being like, hey, I'm over here, you know, and there's something kind of fascinating about it. But then this this is a movie that's all about the little moments. You know, it's about Maya Hawk trying to teach a bunch of kids about the solar system and she, she just can't do it until Montana shows up. You know, it's a Steve Carell explaining real estate to Lee Schreiber. Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, not only is she trying to do that, but she's trying to balance like the science teaching with her innate faith they're kind of yeah and her her innate fear and paranoia right. it's 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 wonderful um my, tony revelori uh also comes back in this uh, very very small role and uh Willem Dafoe as well but you know everybody everybody gets a chance you know to kind of shine it does remind me more of a play than it does a movie in some senses I could see some people walking away from this movie being like, who cares? I don't, I don't understand what the fuss is all about. Um, but no, my time in asteroid city was time well spent when, you know, you get to the point in the movie where, you know, maybe the quarantine isn't going to last forever. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think this is definitely, we've gotten plenty of movies that have been subtly about COVID and quarantines and lockdowns. And, uh, this is definitely one of the better ones in terms of like, it's able to be about that without, hitting you over the head with it yeah for sure and um i think something else that should be admired or noted here is like i think since fantastic mr fox has been interesting to see how like cartoonish 
his movies have kind of gotten not only in animation but in live action oh, absolutely it, yeah. even with this one like a very direct uh homage and nod to uh the roadrunner uh scene throughout um but i think some people sort of mistake that for being that his films are coming more frivolous and i think that's something that i noticed a lot with uh french dispatch like i think people were kind of downplaying the the real emotionality of that film and what i think i really responded to in addition to it being just so fun and uh and entertaining but um i think this movie it seems to be kind of directly commenting on like oh like why are characters acting like quirky for the sake of it or like why do these characters have motivations it, it seems to be to me i take it as both him kind of being like well no like there's points to this but also him kind of being like well sometimes i just don't know why i do things <laughs> like i mean i just kind of think they're funny <laughs> or they're interesting to me um and i think it's I've, him yeah I've, I've said this before and i'm not trying to be offensive but I, I genuinely believe Anderson kind of approaches the world uh, as somebody who is <clears throat> on the spectrum. I think he genuinely is just like, you know, I want to make movies where everybody in the world is on the spectrum, you know, and everybody in the world kind of has this same sort of like, you know, very like offbeat, sort of very meticulous look at everything the way that I do. And, you know, I, I want to be careful in the way I say that because I don't think it's, it's not to diminish, you know, obviously, oh. uh, that at all but i i do think that that's genuinely the kind of stuff that he wants to make i mean i saw you write that on letterbox i i think i get what you're saying i don't know if i entirely agree because I, I mean i don't know i don't know if he's on the spectrum or not but um no i think i, I think he's just kind of pointedly very stylistic I, I think we said this even in our um french dispatch review but i i tend to look at it as i think he kind of looks at the world in his movies as the way he wants the world to be how like orderly he kind of like likes things to be but there's also a lot of like uh sort of spontaneity and goofiness and like off-kilter things that happen that's that's kind of what i'm saying right because like it, it to me like that for me that's been my experience on the spectrum is that i want everything to be a certain way but then the world is too messy and i constantly have to like adjust and make changes to myself and then i some of the most you know the deepest catharsis i get is when the world sort of balances out and I don't feel like totally alienated, more puns. Um, but again, that's a very personal thing to me. I wouldn't dare, you know, assume that that's the same way people are uh, grappling with this movie. I, I, I only say it because like, it's something I've thought about, especially also being on the spectrum. Like if, uh, if that's kind of intentional, I, I just don't want to assume that because I feel like that might potentially kind of diminish what he's doing in some ways. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I just... I, I would like to believe that's a read, but I also don't want to just assume it's sort of confined. Like intentional. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just, I think he just, like we said before, has a very kind of specific style and a very specific way of looking at the world and how things can kind of be, uh, sort of like in this, uh, dollhouse that he makes, uh, but like always kind of expanding and evolving in different ways. Uh, it's almost kind of like the end of the Lego movie, but like with very uh, like, like corduroy suits and uh, you know, like <laughs> all these different things. Well, you know, I, on that note, I, I do want to say that uh, one thing that I think gets lost about Wes Anderson sometimes when people discuss his movies is that he, one of, one of his secret talents, not secret, but, one of his underappreciated talents is how good he is at directing younger actors. And I don't just mean like kids, but I mean, I do mean kids, but also just actors who are very, very like early on in their careers. 
And I think that he just has this way about finding what it is that like makes a kid so strange and kind of wrapping a whole movie around it, like finding that connection between adults and kid, you know, fantastic. Mr. Fox, I think is one of the best examples of this. And for sure, I would say that, uh, people sometimes just look at his movies and on the surface level, you know, they kind of seem like, oh, these are movies for adults, but maybe that's why Moonrise Kingdom is my favorite because that's kind of all about like how, you know, children, the next generation are uh, just this brimming with like hope for the future. And it's such a, you know, winning escapist sort of fantasy that he kind of blends with his like ultra realistic, you know, approach that, yeah, it makes you yearn for a different place, not to get a little madman about it. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think initially, like, I remember when I was, like, a teenager and hearing about uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox being made. Obviously, I was really super excited because it was, like, Roland Dahl and Wes Anderson. And it's it's fitting that um, the next Wes Anderson movie is also going to be a Roland Dahl adaptation. But um, <laughs> I think he, I think it ended up working as well as it did because, like, I think he's good about capturing that sort of whimsy, like you're saying, that sort of grandosity of it but also like not talking down the children or not kind of like looking down and like like really understanding and appreciating their kind of wide-eyed view of the world but also like acknowledging the the darkness and the tragedy of it and i think that's why a lot of scenes that really work here are some of the ones with uh jason Schwartzman and his kids not only with his son uh but with his daughters who are also very funny in this movie very funny. Um, and by the way, Jake Ryan, I didn't mention this before, but uh, this is his third Wes Anderson film. Uh, he was in Moonrise Kingdom, and he did voice a character in Isle of Dogs. So he's a bit of uh, he, he's definitely one of Anderson's like acolytes. Oh, if sure. you call him that. I mean, I, I think there is sort of a, a familial aspect to Wes Anderson, where it's like if you like if he likes you, you're you're in the family. You'll, you'll get a call back at some. Yeah, th- this is a Fast and Furious for uh, you know cinephiles right. or I guess uh, theater nerds. For you know. We hipsters. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, there has been a bit uh, since you bring it up a big shift I think in the culture between like what were hipsters in like the twenty teens, uh, the early twenty teens, and then what are hipsters today? And it's like such a different thing. And again, I think that that's what I constantly enjoy about Anderson as a director is that he kind of changes with the times. He's hip, man. Like he's kind of always like finding the kid or finding the heart in like whatever, wherever the world is at. And I think that's what stuck out to me while I was watching this because I was like, yeah, you know, he's going for the COVID thing, but he's really like digging deep. Like he's not just, this isn't locked down, you know, he's not just sort of trying to take something that he's like kind of barely experiencing, you know, and kind of like cheaply, like repurposing that into a bunch of like dramatic, you know, tension to try to make himself feel better about the world maybe he is doing that but um, no i think he i think he's trying to make himself feel better about the world but to your point it's not opportunistic like it's not him exactly him trying he's putting yeah he's putting himself in the heads he's putting it uh empathy first not just his own interpretations of the world yeah and i mean um i'm trying to remember exactly where i was leading with this but um i i do think like i said before that he is kind of working through some things like it it, it, i don't know i mean i don't want to assume what's going through Wes Anderson's head. Uh, but I, I, the vibe I kind of get from this movie is that like he's middle age and like, you know, he's kind of probably working through some things in lockdown. He was kind of just like evaluating himself, his career, uh, who he is, how he's perceived as an artist. And I feel like that really kind of bleeds itself into this film, both in the sense of like who, how he approaches this film, but also how the characters interact 
and also how like the artists in this film respond to their art and the their collaborators and all that stuff. And I think that's really intriguing and also pretty beautiful, especially towards the end. I want to jump on something in regarding that too, because you know, I took a look at some of the reactions out of Ken and just to kind of see how people reacted and, you know, lots of love from this movie. I mean, we'll, we'll play the Rotten Tomatoes game and we'll mention uh, some of the folks we know who saw it. But I, I did see some, you know, real contention over the radio play slash play slash TV broadcast gimmick. And I was a little bit torn because there were times in the movie where I was like, oh, I don't want to cut to that right now. I, I want to just stay in Asteroid City. Don't make me leave. Um... But I think by the end, it did come together for me. I did sort of get the sense that, you know, giving me a chance to yearn for that location, because I love the location. I, I just love that little desert town and its weird world uh, so much. But I think getting away from it actually was kind of helpful in making me sort of like wish for it to come back. And also at the same time, give me chances to sort of connect with, uh, I think that some of the stuff you're referring to in terms of, you know, the Adrian Brody and Edward Norton sort of, uh, asides that we get in this movie to be like, all right, well, let's step away from this, like weird little story I made up and kind of like, you know, almost like, uh, you know, sitting down and being like, all right, we've had a lot of laughs tonight, but you know, it's time to talk about something kind of important, you know, right. <laughs> like, and, uh, you know be, be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a bully. Uh, you know, but were you torn about the same kind of thing or did you, did you find it to kind of just work? I think it worked. I mean, it's one of those things where like, obviously the ads don't really show any of that. Uh, it's like all black and white. Obviously it's like four, three frame. Um, so, uh, you know, like none of that scene in the trailer, I had no idea that was going to be a factor in the film. I like when it starts that way, I thought that was just going to be like how the story was kind of bookended. So like when it would kind of cut back to that or like have like this sort of like play structure where we see like, you know, act one, act five, act three, intermission, <laughs> if wanted, uh, you know, all these things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I think a little taken aback, but I, I trusted Wes Anderson to kind of be like, okay, right. Like, I don't think he's just doing this for the sake of it, but I also just think it's interesting. Um, like if you compare this film with Grand Budapest, like it seems like he's playing with structure in a pretty interesting way. And I, I don't know too much about the next one, but I've heard uh, like the Roland Dahl one that he's doing for Netflix is like based almost entirely like on a stage. And so I don't know if that uh, kind of was infused by his work in uh, Asteroid City, but yeah, it just seems like he's playing uh, with like style and, and structure in really interesting ways. And obviously like his visual style as well, like kind of um, allowing himself to kind of play with aspect ratio and stuff, not in a way that feels kind of uh frivolous as i think some people like when they do like four three like oh it makes it seem you know more artsy that way or whatever i think he's like kind of doing it to show the confinements the characters and kind of the the, the ways that they're kind of blocked in and also like how drab the world can see if they don't have like this art or ways to kind of express themselves i took it as yeah the limited perspective of the characters right. i think that's like the exact you know vibe that he's yeah. going for um but no i mean i get what you're saying because like I think a lot of the stuff um, in Asteroid City also feels kind of uh, inspired by some of his, like, uh, you know, upbringing. Like, he grew up in Texas and stuff, and I think there is, like, that kind of small-town eccentricity, like, kind of going back to that. I mean, I'm assuming, of course, that that's, like, uh, found a lot in Bottle Rocket. Uh, and it seems like that's, like, it's really, like, kind of rejuvenating for him to kind of play with that again because you know we're used to him going to like obviously like french dispatch and uh i mean i guess 
we could also say the same about Moonrise Kingdom. That's kind of also kind of Americana. Yeah, yeah. But and to be clear, this movie uh, takes place in the California Nevada border. Right. So it's like a desert border town. Think Area Fifty One if it had a gift shop. Right. But I was being like, I was just thinking of like, like obviously French Dispatch is in France, and then like Isle of Dogs is in Japan. Um, yeah, he's been kind of all over the map. Budapest. And this does feel like sort of a return to you know return home. Yeah, return home. Bit. Yeah, and I just yeah I. I I think it's just really fun and uh, invigorating to see. Yes. I'm always a sucker for the the retro futurism uh, in movies like this. You know, there's a lot of like Day of the Earth stood still, uh, I think, in oh, this. and uh, sci-fi. Say again? You mean like sci- I don't. I wasn't really sure what you meant by the futurism. Retro futurism? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's like the, a scene where we see like what the, the junior stargazers have invented. And it's very like Fallout. Uh, it's very like sci-fi speculative and it's sure. it's really really fun oh uh, um shout out to the stop motion animation throughout as well i think that's all fantastic. i was about to mention uh I, kim kim kukulier is uh the animator uh who i just think just always deserves so much uh real like particular praise for her work uh because not just not just with wes anderson um you know she was of course isle of dogs fantastic mr fox but also my life as a zucchini and most recently pinocchio um, she's a, a true artist and, you know, Anderson is uh, lucky to have her as a collaborator yeah. because the things that she can do with puppets out of this world, yeah. unintended. Oh yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, we never really talked about my life as zucchini, but if anyone gets a chance, that's an awesome movie. Really uh, good. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's asteroid city. Uh, we're fans and, uh, I, I agree with you to the extent that I could see myself, um, deepening in my appreciation for it uh, even further. This is one of those times where Anderson is kind of re- doesn't really care when he releases his movies um, in terms of like the Oscar buzz of it all. Uh, French Dispatch was released during Oscar season, award season, but uh, this movie is hidden in uh, the middle of the summer and I love it when he does that. Uh, I love it when you like with Grand Budapest Hotel, that was like what the spring or like, you know, like early, early spring. Uh, I love it when he does that because it's, just, it's confidence. It's sort of like, I want. I just want people to watch my movies. And there are times when releasing a movie during award season is not good because there's too much, you know, noise around that time of year. But this is coming out at a time where we don't have a lot of movies like this coming out in theaters, at least. Uh, right now, it's all about you know Fast and Furious and Spider Man and Flash. And I'm just very appreciative that Asteroid City is going to be out there for. For our grandparents, uh, the geezers get to have something fun to watch, uh, you know, the boomers and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but also the the weirdos like you and me, and uh, hopefully all of you listening. I mean, and also, like, this is just such a summer movie. Uh, mm-hmm. like you, it, it, you know, even though people go to the movies during the summer to escape the heat, you, you love kind of being in this kind of balmy, fun, uh, you know, uh, location. And I think they shot it in Spain, if I heard correctly, but... They shot. I, th- I just heard you say. I think they shot it in space. No. I'm pretty sure I heard that wrong. No, no, Spain. <laughs> uh, they were originally were supposed to shoot it in Rome, but you're right. They um they did move over to Spain um and uh, Chinchon. Yeah. Um. But also, I mean, as far as any like awards potential for this film, I mean, for one, I really hope this gets nominated for best cinematography. I don't know what else is going to be out this year, but the cinematography film is as good, if maybe even better than anything he's done today but um also it makes me wish there was a best ensemble because well there is at the screen actors guild i guess but um, right but in any case uh i do think i don't think he really i don't know focuses that much on awards for his film but also like his most 
award-friendly film was Grand Budapest, which came out what, like March. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that confidence. It's like I'm just gonna make a great movie, and if he wins awards, sure. But that yeah, it's not his priority, right? And uh, I think he made the right bet there. And we have been like kind of seeing some changes in terms of like which movies get all the the buzz and acclaim you know the last couple of years it's been coda which was a summer movie everything everywhere all at once which was a spring movie you know the i think the i think the changes in technology and uh, social media campaigns and particularly like oscar influencer people has kind of shifted sort of the expectations of like eh, you know, it didn't premiere at tiff or telluride so i guess that means it's not going to be nominated for no no that, that's changing quite a bit yeah i sure hope so yeah it definitely makes it so that we don't have all the best movies of the year crammed together at the end of the year yeah. <laughs> you know and it, we can have a more normal release structure so that more people can actually watch these movies that's what i want but uh, that's asteroid city it's going to be in movie theaters. Uh, let me make sure I have this right. Uh, it's getting a wide release on June 23rd, um, and it's going to be getting a limited release on June 16th. Uh, so just a few days from, uh, a couple days from when we're recording this. So if it's in your area, I'm assuming it's limited release. It's going to be like New York, LA, maybe some other like urban markets in North America. But definitely go check this out uh, if you have the time and you do not feel like watching The Flash. Uh, I think um, you will have a much better time with this movie than The Flash. I almost guarantee it. But I know there's a couple of you listening. You're you're a couple, you're a couple freaks and geeks, and so I love you. But uh, you know, you, you do what you want to do. Uh, double feature it if you want. I mean, uh, but anyway, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm biased because I really enjoy Wes Anderson. I, I he's like a a blind buy for me in terms of uh, theatricality. But sure. uh, I feel like every one of his movies, especially of late, are amplified by the big screen. Like I, I don't even if you don't love the movie, I, don't, I, I would be hard pressed to imagine anyone thinking like this is an unworthy theatrical experience just because of how visually grand it is. And like I said, that density of frame and everything he's able to you know put on the screen here in a very purposeful but also fun way. So yeah, I mean, absolutely, I would suggest you know people if they have any interest at all or even are just curious to check it out in theaters yeah it's also one of the shortest movies you can watch in theaters right now just 105 minutes pretty easy easy breezy all right let's play the rotten tomatoes game let's do it sure. we have 79 reviews counted uh yeah most of them are can reviews but we do have uh, more and more critics who are jumping on and uh, watching this one from other uh, other parts of the globe so, Will Ashton, what do you think? What do you think this uh, Asteroid City movie has on Rotten Tomatoes right now? I mean, it's probably going to change. Going to be subject to change since we're doing this fairly early. Yeah, and I, I imagine the reviews are still going to be incoming. Um, but uh, I think for the time being, knowing that the reviews, like you said, were strong out of con, uh, knowing that people are generally responding to this film, maybe not as much as. Uh, like something like Grand Budapest, but probably more so than uh, uh, French Dispatch. Uh, I'm going to say this is comfortably probably at like 84% right now. You're a bit off, okay. unfortunately. Uh, do you think it's lower than you just guessed or higher than you just guessed? I mean, I know generally the, the Cannes Film Festival, the reviews are fairly muted unless it's like, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon. So I'm going to assume they're lower, maybe a little bit more measured. Uh, and then they'll probably go up uh, as more critics get a chance to see the film. Um, but uh, I'll say 76%. 
72 percent and yeah and it's it's a it's a mix you know a lot of the like big outlets like the rap rolling stone time like all kind of panned it um it's of course getting high marks now um i actually think that it's getting higher marks um than some people expected out of can because if you actually look at the reviews that have been dropping over the last few days a lot of them positive ign slate atlantic slants uh they're they're saying you know what asteroid city party city let's go um i didn't know i was going with that uh yeah 72 percent. we don't have a, an audience score or a cinema score yet uh but we do have a we can take a look at the letterbox here we only have 8.7 thousand watches um again yeah it's still super early uh that's Actually, pretty decent uh, for pre-release. Uh, but yeah, what do you think the average rating is currently? We're really just kind of doing the average rating for you know critics and industry folks. But yeah, sure. um, well, I might have a better chance then. Uh, I'm gonna say three point four. Very close, three point six. A little, just a little tick higher. Um, yeah, you know, look, fans of the show or friends of the show, I should say, are enjoying this quite a bit. Clint Worthington, three and a half stars. You know, um, Brian Young, who's been on the show, four stars. David Sims, who I know you're a big fan of, give this five stars. Five. Can you believe it? Um, uh, Isaac Feldberg, uh, he he logged the movie, but uh, he didn't rate it. Um, he has a is a very long uh, review on Letterboxd, and it's it's very positive. Um, he says this is Anderson at his most mature and magical. Um, so there you go. Uh, although I should say Alex Billington, uh, also a friend of the show, two stars. So not everybody not everybody wants to show up to Asteroid City. Amanda the Jedi uh, gave it four and a half. Uh, I believe she saw it. Can yeah. So there you go. Uh, didn't Alex Billington give it like two stars but a heart? Sounds right. <laughs> Let me double check that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't notice. But if that's the case, that's uh, yeah, that's Alex. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did do that. There you go. So, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> yeah, we're still figuring out um, how we're going to do Elemental and The Flash. Um, just trying to figure out scheduling wise, we're going to do both movies in the same episode, one or the other. Uh, also, you know, we, we do sort of want to talk about, uh, well, I want to talk about the blackening. I don't know if you do. Oh. But I, I did not get to screen the movie. Um, so I'm going to go see it in public. I'm going to go to a public screen for this one. Yeah. Um, do you have a plans to see it? Mike Overholz, uh, you know, co-host Mad Men, man, he, he liked it a lot. Um, the, the funny thing about the blackening is I got not one, not two, not three, but four screening invites to it. But every I did too, but I couldn't make any of them. Exactly, yeah, I just couldn't, and I wanted to see it. I've heard it's good. Like I heard it's funny. Yeah, I've heard like because initially when I was like, it premiered at TIFF, and I was like, oh whatever, it's a Tim Story movie. Why is this a TIFF? And then it got like the audience <laughs> award or something. I was like, oh, like, and I saw the trailer, and the trailer looks pretty funny. So I'm yeah. like, yeah. Uh, the screening for it was uh, for me. The screening I could have made was last night, right? Um, but yeah, I had I had too much uh, too many conflicts, but. I kind of okay with seeing this at a public screening because I kind of want to see it with an audience. Exactly. To be totally honest. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and I may or may not be able to see Elemental tonight, depending on what happens at work. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard you know sort of mixed things about that one. I think that movie, uh, another con film that uh, probably should not have premiered at con. Uh, the opposite of Asteroid City in the sense that, like, I think the the um, consensus there was more detrimental to the film than beneficial um you know it just seems the response there wasn't as kind as like uh critics are now right uh so i don't know or maybe that is beneficial maybe people are like well it's not that bad uh so i don't know <laughs> we'll see we'll see um also there is uh you know 
there are plenty of other movies we have coming up in July. I'm taking a look at uh, the schedule for that, and uh, it's, we still have a lot of summer to go. Uh, a lot of stuff coming up. Um, so if there's anything, you know, I, I want to get a little bit better at us covering some of these movies because we've been doing one-offs every week. Um, but I, I did have a thought of like, you know, we should do more sort of bonus stuff if, when we can sure. um, f- yeah, so that we're not missing as much. Because I, I was taking a look, Will, at like what, how many movies I've seen this year. And it's pretty, pretty low. Like I, I, the last two years, I have been watching far fewer movies than I used to. And, uh, which I'm fine with, I don't, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to step it up too much, but, uh, I think because I haven't been doing as many festivals, but also I've just been a little bit more selective. Um, so that's to say, if there's stuff that you want to request, always hit us up. Our email is up cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com or hit, hit us up on the socials, you know, go on the, the, the in-between drafts discord, whatever you want to do. I mean, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to be ranting raving about movies, whether I'm recorded or not. So we might as well record these <laughs> conversations. That's true. That's true. Um, sometimes like we're literally like we're jamming in the group chats and like, well, why aren't we just recording this? Like, you know, record everything, every thought out there in public. All right. We'll uh, see you all in the next one from the California. I'm John. And if you're in Pennsylvania, I'm Lush. See you next time. Bye.